what we do here is go back, 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 back. Honestly, I think that was the first time that like the Raiders won a game like that. One is probably one of the first times they won a game like that. Mm-hmm. Second, like I just wasn't excited for that win. I was just like, this doesn't even feel right. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Michael McDonald, rocking it solo for this intro for you. Quick little intro, we got an amazing interview for you guys coming up next. We have Ryan Marchand on the pod, former college basketball coach, former G League assistant. He's now head coaching overseas. He gets in-depth with his journey, what brought him to where he is. But most importantly, he is Paradise Bobcat alum. Someone we grew up with, someone who ha- who's had an amazing journey as a basketball coach, and he dives into all of that. Huge Raider fan as well. We dive into a, a little bit of Derek Carr talk, season prediction stuff, and just wanted to give you guys a quick little intro before we jump into the interview. If you haven't seen already on social media, Twitter, Facebook, we are going to do a draft top giveaway. We have two different limited edition draft top tools. One from Memorial Day, one from Father's Day. We're going to be giving them away. All you got to do is go on Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star, leave us a review, give us a hashtag America for the red, white, and blue, hashtag Father's Day for the limited edition Father's Day one, whichever one you are wanting to win. We will pick a winner uh, a few weeks from now. Our lucky winners will get their choice of either one of the tools and also a pair of can saver tops uh one that works on regular beer cans soda cans one that works for your skinnier cans like seltzers stuff like that so finally doing some giveaway stuff with draft top very excited to do so Uh, as always we appreciate the love please share subscribe rate review give us those five stars please share it on facebook share it on twitter we appreciate how you guys support the pod we just ask that you continue to do so recently dropped a new instagram page it's Raider Take Podcast. Go find us on there. Follow us on Instagram. Link in the bio of our Instagram is our brand new website for merch. So we finally got some RTP merch out there. You can get t-shirts, tank tops. There's women's gear. There's sweatshirts. Tons of stuff there. Fantastic stuff. Go check it out. As I've said with multiple things that we have been venturing with, um, it's another great way to support the podcast. So we appreciate y'all. We really hope you enjoyed this interview with Ryan Marchand, and we will see y'all next week. And now for something completely different. Yeah, so this is the second expansion team that I'm working with. So it's like, you know, building from the ground up two times in a row. It's, it's kind of tough because as an expansion team, you have a lot of the other players that, you know, are established in the league there they have contracts with the other teams. So you're finding like guys who are free agents, um, you know, who are either like, you know, not wanted from other teams. That's kind of who you have to build your roster with. So you have to be, you know, super creative, how you can try to find a way to be competitive for the season. So that's kind of what we're through the process with. We have the draft tomorrow. And so and it's exciting, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how it is with anything, you know, you're gearing up for the season, you have, you have your high hopes and everything. And so mm-hmm. 
to get everybody like on the right page before everything starts. Is that why you have your whiteboard pen in your hand? Because yeah. you get the draft tomorrow. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> you know, got got my big board, got everything going. In so. the war room right now. Yeah, That's right. Great. I still feel like that for the Raiders. Like I can do something about it when I'm young. <laughs> yeah. Results have stayed the same for a while. Yeah. Um, well, hey, I appreciate you you jumping on, man. I <clears throat> so the, I'll just give you the backstory. Is I've obviously I know you, and um, I've been following you like your journey for the last couple of years and everything. And when we started doing this, it was just like, it was, it was Mike's idea. He's just like, dude, let's just, let's just do it. I was like, I, I'm not a big social media guy, but sure. Like, let's just, we'll do it, you know? And then, but it's been actually really awesome. And then also like, we've, I think there's, you know, as I've gotten more into it and he's gotten more into it, it's just like, you have a platform where you can just kind of like, just, just go right and, and whatever works so we are obviously a raider podcast and i was like well i know he's a raider fan i knew that about you um but also like it's i it'd just be cool just to hear about your story and kind of where like how you went from you were megalia california and yeah. paradise you know so that's even smaller smaller town right. um but but to where you are now like it's just i think it's awesome and if you're cool with just sharing that that'd be great yeah it's it's funny so that's that's the thing like kind of going through the whole process of now being like professional basketball, but starting really with like elementary basketball, kind of like all, all the way up. Cause you're in we'll, we'll touch on that. <laughs> you were. Yeah. So it's, it's really like, I think what got me kind of initially thinking about coaching was I think through like junior high for me, starting with like AAU basketball, it was the first time I had coaches who were like younger you know, rather than like, you know, someone's dad is talking like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, kind of through that, through that time. And to the guys who are coaching us, uh, they were playing varsity basketball at the time. It was kind of like a unique thing, you know, having some younger guys, you know, having a little bit more energy and stuff, you know, coming and teaching us the game. It's like, okay, cool. There's something that like, you know, you just kind of have it in the back of your head, not really thinking about it when you're, you know, 11, 12 years old, like, Hey, I'm, I'm gonna do this, but um, had it in the back of my head. And then, you know, that I wanted to do it. And then when I got the chance, it was actually, you know, you know, my, to coach my brother, potentially, I think it was his, you know, the fifth grade team at the time I was, I was in eighth grade, you know, we weren't a big difference. Um, I still needed uh, like, you know, a parent to kind of supervise, but not really coach just to be there. You know, for me, that that's kind of what got me in. I was like, oh, this is actually, you know, pretty fun. So I kind of stayed with that. But, you know, I continued playing sports throughout and traveling, you know, through high school and all that stuff. And um, I just kept on moving up because it became like more and more intriguing, um, you know, being able to like I started my own AAU team, you know, kind of, you know, coach and travel around, like being able to like book all the tournaments, do all that. Like I just kind of became more like. I don't know if engage is the right word, but, you know, you get deeper and deeper, like, you know, into the job and, you know, just became fun, the strategy, you know, all that stuff, being able to build a roster. And it just, it just went from there. And I've been super fortunate to kind of, you know, just continue to climb on that ladder a little bit. Yeah. That's no, awesome. And um, let's, we'll just start with our wizards team. I, you know, maybe that was the beginning of your journey, you know, maybe you had to deal with diva basketball players early on, you know, mostly your brother, not me. I was, a, I was a team guy, right? I was team first. So it, it, I was on that Wizards team and it was me and your brother. And I don't know the rest of the roster. It was like 15 years ago. Nope. It was a long time ago, more than that. 
Um, but we were good. Okay. Like I, I wasn't, I'm not good now, but like that was probably the peak of my basketball skills. And cause I stopped playing, I think in eighth grade, but your brother was good. I was good. And then like, but what I remember from it is it was this, cause it was this paradise wreck basketball league. And I think we played, we played the high school. We played at paradise high cause they didn't, they didn't have the Megalia that, that new, that new facility. I, I, I think so. Right. Not yet. So we would play at the high school. And I remember within our age group, it was like, there was probably like five good players and four teams, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to put myself in the good category because it really wasn't, it was just in comparison. I was, I was good, but it was like me and your brother. And then there was like Devin Flesher soup was on one team. And then it was like Louie on another. And so they only had like, it, we were the first super team basically <laughs> is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a really solid, you know, player development program in place at the time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we built that up from scratch and, you know, yeah. we, we, you know, we were going on to big things, but, you know, they, they didn't really allow it. I think it was, you know, Jeff Daly was kind of the Adam Silver of, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> the rec program up here. It was actually, you know, oh my God. I think he nixed when we were trying to get some of the other uh, players together, he nixed it kind of like uh, David mm-hmm. did the Chris Paul trade. To the play. Chris Paul trade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, that was, you know, that was fun to me because, you know, starting so young, like it's, it's just funny because even still throughout, like I'm, I'm still young to be, you know, coaching now, but you see like people who just, you know, parents who just wouldn't take you seriously just cause, Oh yeah. Oh, you can't like, not, not necessarily, they're not saying you can't do this, but you can just tell how they talk to you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just tone and how they look at you is like, you know, nothing serious, but it, it was fun. Like, you know, that was, I think to me, it was, it was such a, different engagement from like actually playing because I was still playing I was still young you know I was playing uh basketball soccer and baseball year round you know I was just I was just going year round and you know it's different when you're a player you can just you know try to stay in shape you go out there you know you're ready to play you compete but then you know coaching gave me just a totally different thing and actually just seeing guys like you know warm up go through all the drill station you're like you know you have to see like okay how can I build this roster how can I do this like you know, who can fit, you know, these different positions. That was the first time looking at it from that point of view. And I think it gave me, you know, just something else that playing didn't. And that's kind of like what started it for me. Yeah. But it was like, you were like Brad Stevens coming from Butler, basically. It's like, you were like the young head coach. And it was like, like you said, you had all those parents who would coach, but they didn't care or take us seriously. And I was like, I think we got a shot here because I cared so much about winning Paradise Rec League. And we, we underperformed, you know, and I don't want to just put blame on anyone, but as the general of the team, what do you have to say about that Wizards team that just didn't, you know, really meet their expectations? Yeah, you know, I don't think it was, uh, you know, we can't blame it on injuries that really brought mm-hmm. <laughs> Or salary cap. <laughs> well, we stayed under the salary cap. We were very, you know, we underpaid everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I think from staff to, uh, to players, there, there were no issues. I think that's why everyone left, you know, to go to on to bigger and better things afterwards. But yeah, yeah, that was, you know, those were the, the early, you know, tough times that you learn from, you're able to get, to get out of the way and really grow from there. So yeah, but it was, it was, it was fun because, you know, that's it, essentially you still, I, I guess nowadays you still hear from coaches like you, 
you can't fake those experiences, you know, like making those decisions. Cause you can always say it kind of from the couch, you know, like, Oh, you can do this. But then we actually put in that spot. You're like, okay, you actually have to make these decisions. Now you, you can't waver, you know, whether it's like, Hey, you're going to play, you're not going to play. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And sometimes just like, Oh, man, like, did I really do that? <laughs> like, did I do that in practice? Did I say that? Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like all the managing stuff that I was able to kind of see and kind of get out of the way a little bit early on, even if it was, you know, elementary moving up to, you know, junior high into high school and all that stuff afterwards. It's like all that experience mattered. Yeah. It was just cool because like you would yell at Kyle sometimes and then you would like bench him. So then I just got the rock and I could just go. So that was, so thank you for that. I was oh, able to extend yeah. my, I was like the first point forward, basically, you know, like Giannis, Giannis, whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I was like also five, three, so I couldn't really be Giannis there. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have as many chase down blocks as Giannis, <laughs> but you know, probably a little less physical, but still, you, you know, same mindset. Right. I think that's important. It's just a mindset. Um, I, I think I had a couple technical fouls. I got kicked out of one game just for a flagrant foul and you weren't happy with that, but it's okay. So, you know, you thank you for jumping on the podcast, even though I got suspended for one game. And yeah, you know, I, I, I've uh, learned, learned to get over that by now. I think, I think now, you know, I've kind of tempered. It's just know. time, time, time heals it, man. So, um, but Hey, uh, once again, I, we appreciate you jumping on it. And also it's been just cool to, to watch you go from um, obviously growing, growing up in our hometown and everything like that. So, do you mind just kind of walking us through? Cause I, I, I feel like I know a little bit, but it's like a little spotty. So like, cause I remember you played, like you said, baseball, basketball, soccer, right. As well. So a- after high school, kind of what was, what was the career progression for you um, all the way up till now? Yeah. So my plan afterwards, so I, I went to Butte after, after uh, paradise high and my plan was to play um, basketball there at Butte. So I, I talked with the coach and he said through the, you know, kind of like the off season, their team kind of gets together. It wasn't anything like super formal, but um, the whole team would play and just kind of have like, you know, kind of open runs and play together through the whole off season. Like the coaches would sometimes be there and stuff. So that's what I did. I was playing through the whole off season, kind of just, you know, getting ready for that, um, you know, playing with some of the guys. And I think it was it you know, towards the end of like high school and lead up into um, the season. So they, they would have like a bunch of conditioning stuff like for tryouts once they began. And it was right around that time that actually it was Jeff Robel who reached out to me about a coaching job at PHS. And that was something that I was super interested in. And yeah, I didn't have an older brother, someone ahead of me who's like kind of been through this before. And for me, you know, I was still, I'd still been coaching all the way through. I, Actually, I think it was my junior year of high school. I ran, you know, my own AAU team. And so it was like something that I felt, you know, I would, that's something that I wanted to pursue, you know, after I was done playing. Um, but once I got that job, I was like, oh, I kind of have to choose between, you know, playing, coaching. And I decided to take the coaching job because I just really didn't want to give that up. And that's kind of what made it so I stopped playing at the time. And I just fully engaged into that job you know, at Paradise High as an assistant coach for Jeff. I think, I believe it was, was freshman at the time, but then I think he moved up to, to JV after that. It was the first time, like, I really felt like, okay, now this is a real job, 
you know, I have to have like all the answers for the players. So I even dove like more into film. I was watching, you know, all the good teams, like everything they did right. I was watching bad teams, like, hey, what are they doing wrong that I, I don't do? Like I was making up my player development program. So getting into PHS and coaching there through Butte College, like those couple of years that I was there was was like a big deal for for my development. And it was cool because over the summers, I still got to basically run the player development program by myself, work the guys out, put them through all this, you know, different programs. And then I transferred to San Jose State. And that was a D1 program, which they used to be in the WAC at the time. I think they're in the Mountain West now. Um, but it was, you know, it was a really good conference. They had a lot of pros there. It was, Paul George was there, Fresno State, Luke Babbitt, like Nevada had a bunch of guys. Um St. Mary's wasn't in the division, but they had Patty Mills at the time, you know, over there. So there's a lot of good players around the Bay Area and stuff. Del Denova. Yeah, Del Denova, all those guys. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of really, really good players around that time. So getting in there was 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 a big deal, seeing how they did it at, at that level. And I was a manager there, and I basically went to the – I didn't know anybody on the coaching staff, but I basically went to them, showed my resume, like, hey, I coached, I'd done this. And for them, it was easy because easy decision to kind of let me on. Like, they didn't hire me right away, but they're like, yeah, you know, just just come here, come to, you know, the practices. And, you know, if this works out, we can, you know, figure out how, you know, we can kind of work together. So I ended up doing that for a couple – for two years with them. And right after that, I had – like I was basically getting my degree to, cause I thought I was going to, you know, coach high level D1 basketball. And I didn't like, obviously I always wanted to be at the high level, like in the pros, but like I had no connections there. So I didn't really think it was a thing. So I, what I had done at the end of, you know, like me graduating, I had applied to every single D1 school in the country. I'd applied to a bunch of other D2, D3, NAIA, just, you know, wherever I could find job you know, like job postings anywhere. And I didn't get one interview. Like I would probably applied to over 500, 600 jobs. Like I didn't get one interview. I got some responses from people like, Hey, you know, nothing available this year or whatever else, but not one interview out of all of those. And so the D, it was actually the D league at the time, which had about like 15 or 16 teams. And it was still in such the early stages that, they listed all the contact information of the head coach, the GM on the website. They don't do that anymore, but you could see it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, give this a shot. And so I reached out to, to all the coaches and I had got a job, like an internship with the Utah flash at the time, but they folded probably like a couple weeks after I got the job and the coach was like, Hey, you know, like there's no team anymore. So there's obviously no job for you, you know, good luck. Um, he was out of a job too. So it was, that was a uh, tough. And then I got a response from the Bakersfield gym and I had gone down to interview in Bakersfield and, you know, kind of through that whole process, I got an internship and that was during the NBA lockout. So that was 2011 at the time. So I got on with Bakersfield. So that was really my in into pro basketball at the time. And that was when a lot of, I think teams were affiliated with, there were a couple like one-to-one -one affiliates with, you know, one pro team, one, one D league team, but a lot of them were two or three teams. So we were affiliated with the Clippers, the Suns and the Raptors. So we were kind of all spread out. Um, so I started there and what got me into really at the NBA level was right as the lockout was ending, 
I had someone from the Timberwolves reach out to me about a video coordinator position with them. And through that whole process, I got a job. And ever since then, I was kind of bouncing between the NBA and the G League, kind of back and forth, like on that cusp. And um, I've stayed I've stayed in the pro game ever since then. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Well, first of all, Bakersfield jam, that's just a cool name, you know, <laughs> like the fact that they just got jam as their name is like, that's awesome. Um, so that what you're describing, cause it, it, each, uh, professional sports league is different, right? So it's like baseball, there's, there's the MLB, right. But then there's triple A, double A, things like that. And then, um, obviously football's not that way. Cause it's just NFL and then whatever, but with the NBA, it's, it, I know it's transformed over the years and, when you're, you know, mentioning the thing about the the Timberwolves and that that video coordinator job, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, because didn't um was it is it Spolstra for the Heat? Didn't he he was like the the film guy, right? Yeah, he worked his way up. I think of uh, Frank Vogel did that too. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was that the path? Like, did you did you see that kind of unfolding and saying like, hey, it's it's more about just getting in somewhere, and then because you had that end goal basically of getting to coaching like actual being head coach or whatever it may be right is it was it just like I just need to get there and find a way to carve my own path yeah that was that was kind of uh the approach because obviously you know right as I got out of high school and took that high school job that's that's kind of what where I stopped playing so it's like okay you know not playing the league not playing pro overseas I got to get in another way so I would research you know other coaches like what was their path to get here see all these different ways whether it's like ex-player you know non-ex-player you know going through college going through pro overseas like there's just so many different ways but you'd see with a few guys they would you know end up going in the video room and doing this I was like okay I think video is a path for me to get in and you know it's I had no problem you know watching film or breaking down film putting in the scouting reports like it was fun being able to do it but the tough thing about it too is especially coming from you know, where I was running my own AAU team, coaching high school, doing all these player development programs here, you know, up in Northern California doing that, um, going like straight video, it takes you off the court. You can like help out with some workouts and stuff, but a lot of people see you as, you know, they see you as like, you know, oh, well, you're not, you know, you're not a player, so you're not going to be working these guys out. You're not going to be on the court. So that just perception is totally different. Um, It's great for learning, but that was kind of tough. So during the off season, like kind of during the summer, um, I would have to make sure that I get back and work guys out and do stuff so I can just continue to keep those, like honing those skills basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just stuck in this room because you don't want to be labeled like a video guy either. Like you want to be labeled as a coach. That's what you're in it for. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what is it then? Uh, Cause you, you touched on it a little bit, but like, what is it about the coaching aspect? Because for me, like, I think, people could say like, Hey, just getting in somewhere and fitting in is great. Like that's, that's an accomplishment in itself. And that's what I think it's like, dude, that's awesome that you're able to get there. But like, but obviously you're like, no, I need to, I, I want more. I want more. But what is it about coaching specifically that, that drives you or, you know, you're passionate about? I think, I think it's, it's kind of like a two, a two part thing, being able to, you know, that competitive drive, being able to still be in that competitive setting, um, you know, and use, you know, strategy in the game at the highest level, you know, compete against the get against the best. That's something that, you know, I've always loved. That's, that's never gone away, but then also being able to get more out of someone than they think they have in them. That's something that like, I remember playing just sometimes like 
you, I wish I had a little bit more someone to be able, cause I, I didn't have like, you know, what, you know, nowadays there's a million camps, there's a million trainers, there's a million people out there to do all this extra stuff. And, you know, I didn't have any of that, but, you know, even if it wasn't that having, you know, some other coaches who could really, you know, just see in me, like, you know, cause a lot of players, they're not going to say, you know, some of the problems they have, but a coach should be trained to, to see that you, you see if they're, you know, not confident in one area, you know, they're not talking, whatever. I felt there was always something that like, if someone could have got more out of me, maybe it would have been something where I didn't take that high school job. And, you know, I, I kept playing and pushed my career a little bit longer. Um, so I, I felt like, you know, being able to, to help guys and actually get them better and try to pull more out of them than they thought they had. That's something that like I've always loved. Um, so that's been a big part of it, but you know, the strategy part as well, it's, you know, it's in a way it's like, you have, you're playing, you're coaching the game, but you're almost like playing a game within the game as well. Mm -hmm. Like the strategy part, getting guys better, being able to compete. Like, I just love that. I feel like it doesn't feel like a real job to me when, you know, I'm, you know, going through the big boards, I'm going through practice plans, going through, you know, all this different stuff. It's, it's, it's so fun. Like I've never woke up. It's like, damn, I got to go to practice today. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know maybe as a play as a player you might feel that sometimes like oh i don't want to run and do this but you know coaching wise like your practices are kind of like your classroom so yeah you know it's, it's super fun that's awesome um and i mean i i, I feel like i can relate and, and micah too because we we coached a couple years um after high school just football and, and baseball and just it was just like i just didn't, well, i want to stay as close as i can to it you know like I, I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player, but it's like, I love the game so much to where it's like, I just want to get there. And like, I think what you're saying is, is the true passion that I enjoyed too. It's like, when you know something because you've obsessed over it and, you know, and being able to share it with someone and see them grow and improve, I think it's, it's super rewarding. And it sounds like that's kind of um, what you've been getting from it too. So um, do you think right now, like if you, if, if we got the Wizards team back, like, would we, do you think we'd win it all? In, in, uh, if you got all the, like the paradise leagues together. If we have, if I went back to fifth grade and, but you had, you, you have your skills right now. Do you think it, we would just like dominate? Oh no, absolutely. You know, we'd okay. be, we'd be throwing a lot more traps out there. Most right. likely, especially with, you know, I'd probably be on the refs a lot more calling a few more travels and double <laughs> because they really let that slide, you know, actually oh my it's gosh. NBA. They let those travels go yeah. at that level. So I, Every, everyone was flopping and we're like, what's going on here? You know, like, you know, I think the good part about it too, is you don't get fined for techs or being kicked out of the game. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, there's no like tech limit, you know, you yeah. can get any techs, they're not going to kick you out in the playoffs. So yeah. I might, I might push the limits with, you know, the, I think the refs were high school kids at the time too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly it's like it's just older kids you know yeah. like the older kid say, is a coach and an older kid is is a ref you know fifth grade rec league referees aren't at the highest level of uh you know um being strict on those rules and probably even paying attention in the first place well they were just hung over on saturday mornings and like that's a foul and you're like are you sure and they're like i don't know i'd you have know? called that in pickups so. <laughs> I, I think i actually saw one time i think I was coaching a game and one of the refs like pulled out their phone out of their pocket and was like, just checking their phone and didn't even like run to the other end. Like, Oh, this is good. Like I'm definitely not getting this call. <laughs> well, it was like, it was 
so long ago. And like you said, there's so many different programs like AAU programs and, and leagues and things like that. It was like so long ago where that wasn't the case. And it was Paradise, California, you know? So it's like the level of like attention is just not there anyways. So like the refs are like, dude, I didn't even want to be here. And you have like your full suit on walking up and down the court and yelling at your brother. And I think it was awesome. So, yeah, especially being more of like, you know, a, a football town. It's, it's not right. like you don't, if you talk about, I mean, even, even in Chico or, you know, but like, especially, you know, Paradise and Galia, you're not going to hear like, oh, basketball's in their blood. Like it just, <laughs> you know, it runs yeah. veins up there, like up in the mountains. Like, you know, it's, yeah. you don't, you don't hear that, but it, it just kind of grew into a passion over time. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was fun. But I think that's cool because even, even back then I was like, it, I felt like you were, you were different in the fact that you were so young and getting like actually involved in, in coaching because like you said the basketball programs weren't really funded not the right word right but like not supported the way the football program was that's just how it is right and then you but you also like went that path and it it probably seemed like a little different right and like not the the, the typical path or whatever it may be right there's 75 different former uh, seniors that just graduated that are on the coaching staff for freshman football but like you know what you did was like different in that aspect so I think that's awesome um yeah, I, I was gonna say because I, I only played football for one for one year, and I think the the thing for me was like, you know, I just I just want to give it a shot because a lot of my friends were playing and everything, and um, doing that for one year, I was like, okay, I just practiced 360 times for 10 games. <laughs> I was like, I think I'm gonna keep watching. Like, you know, it was it was fun to play, but I was like, too much practice for not enough games. I was like, yeah. I'm continue, continue to watch. Um, but you, you could see like in their program, even if they're not playing, going through the summer, having, you know, their, you know, you go through hell week, you go through all this other stuff, just all these camps, like is a buildup into the season and teams are so successful. So when I got in, you know, to the high school program, I was like, I want to do that with our guys. So put together through conditioning, through individual workouts. And I was essentially putting them through all these workouts that, you know, I had built. I didn't have like a base or a mentor to really, like a mentor to really teach me like, Hey, this is all the player development stuff we're doing. This is, you know, all this, all this, you know, like a, B and C like Jeff Robel, Jack Danielson, all those guys were great and giving me the opportunity to coach and, you know, help me grow. But putting all that stuff together, like from scratch, it was, it was perfect in the sense of like, I got to see stuff that worked and stuff that didn't work. And I still do some of the same stuff to this day where it's like, the summer is almost a way to experiment with different types of development. So we continue to grow, you know, you don't just get stuck. Like I don't want to be that coach at like, I mean, at, at any age where it's like, well, this is how it was done in the past. So, you know, that's how it's going to be. Um, so I'm still kind of taking that approach of being able to experiment and try a few things in the off season to see if it works. And if it doesn't, no big deal. You at least tried it, but you're not going to have in your mind like, oh, if I tried this. Um, so I think that all was actually kind of built, you know, up there through that program. Mm -hmm. No, it's awesome. Um, so I, I think we paused from, so you got to, you went to Minnesota yep. with, for, with that job. And so what was, what was it like from there and then to where you are today? Yeah. So going uh, through a lockout season, I can't remember how many games it was, if it was, you know, I think we started end of December. So that, that was a, that was a fun and unique scenario. Just seeing how many, it was the biggest staff that I'd ever been a part of. Cause 
you know, going from high school or AAU, it's like, you know, two coaches max. And then, you know, San Jose program, they had more assistant coaches, but you had a lot of those guys who were recruiting year round. And now it's into like full-time basketball. There's no, there's no recruiting. There's no checking on guys' grades. There's no doing any of that stuff that you get in college. Um, you know, Bakersfield in, in the D league and what's now the G league, you had, you know, some, some bigger staffs, right? Not big, but they were, there were smaller staffs and in Bakersfield, it, it seemed like we had a bunch of, you know, interns to help out with tasks, but there was still a head coach, two assistant coaches. Um, but then you get to the NBA and you have, I mean, it feels like an, an army of people working. So you had the head coach was like four assistant coaches. I think at the time, a couple player development guys, you had three video coordinators um, and you have a whole front office staff. So you just, you're flooded with all this information and all this help, like practices run so smooth because you have guys at different ends that are, you know, rebounding and coaching and doing drills and everything. So it was the first time being able to see like, Hey, you know, things can really like move rather than if you're the, like the one coach, you have to do everything all the time. Um, so it's neat seeing that and just the strategy and all the stuff that goes into the scouting reports um, and all the video. So after that, um, I had actually, I, I was interviewing for, for other video jobs. I ultimately got a job in the Spurs organization with, they're the Austin Toros at the time. So they were the daily team of the San Antonio Spurs. So I had gone out to San Antonio. I was there for their training camp. So I was there for in San Antonio for about a month, month and a half, just seeing how at the, at the Spurs facility, watching their practices. Cause when you have those systems in place, you, you run a lot of the same stuff. You have the same terminology. So what the NBA teams will usually do, they'll have their staffs like, you know, watching training camp or, you know, helping out if you need to, but learning everything that they do. So when you actually go back and coach during the season in the D league or the G league, um, if they send players, what they like to call up, they don't like to say down, you know, cause it sounded bad. Um, <laughs> they would, you know, you want to have the same terminology and it feels kind of the same, you know, you're running a lot of the same stuff, you know, terminology is the same. It's easy for a guy to just come in and boom, he can play like, you know, some of the sets already um, because it's similar. So going through that system was, it was unique, um, especially from actually back-to-back -back coaches because with the Timberwolves, it was, it was Rick Adelman and actually being, you know, in Sacramento, seeing those Sacramento teams all the time, I was like, oh, cool getting to learn from you know him his system and then going to pop it was like you know these are two guys like you know the first teams I worked for getting to see how these guys really run their organizations like it was a great learning experience and then I had went to after after that um I was a I was an advanced scout for the Orlando Magic on the west coast so essentially what that was was you would go to the games and you would scout all the other teams plays and send it back to your team and like the coaching staff for them to have like all the play calls, all the sets they run, you know, how frequently they run those plays. Um, and it's basically another way to prepare and have all their play calls when, you know, the teams are calling it out. And so that was, that was the first time I was really like removed from, you know, the coaching or, you know, so I was kind of more like, it wasn't even necessarily front office based, but, you know, you're, you're not necessarily in the front office. You're not really on the coaching side. You're doing kind of more scouting. You know, that was, that was different. Like it was a good experience for one year, but I, I 
felt like after that, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing that anymore. Uh, it was tough being away. And so actually after that, what had happened, I, I had probably three interviews with, with teams that I ended up for other video coordinator positions in the NBA. And I got to the final process in all of them. And I got second in all of them, second, yeah. second. And so at the time with the hiring, like in the NBA, it was like, okay, I'm not getting a job here. The college process of hiring people was a few months ago. Um, I'm not going to go back to the D league because they weren't paying anything at the time. I was like, I need to make a little bit of money. So high schools definitely had the question too, because I'm not getting anything there. Like, and so what I actually did was I remember a friend who had gone overseas and he, he had told me about like teaching English and I didn't think anything at the time. And I was like, I, I didn't even know teaching uh, English like overseas was a thing. Like I'd never even heard of it. So, but I started to look into it cause I'm like, well, you know, I'm not married. Like I don't have any kids. Like maybe this is the one time I can travel. So I ended up, uh, I actually left the game and went to go teach English in South Korea for a year. So I just, I just fully left. Like I committed to it. Um, and I was fortunate enough once I came back um, during the NBA summer league, the, the D league used to have like a select team. Um, and so like basically of the guys who didn't get on summer league rosters, they built their own team and competed. And I had worked with the head coach of that team and he was able to pick one person, you know, to bring on to his staff. I think the, the D league selected the rest of the staff, but he invited me to come on. So to actually be for a year and to come back and get right back into the game was super important. Um, so I got that, that worked me into assistant coaching internship in the, in the, I think it was still the D league at the time for, for one more year. And so I worked with, uh, it was the Erie Bayhawks who were like with the Orlando magic at the time. So I was out there in Erie. Then after that, I was doing some player development. Uh, the coach that I worked with, he was doing, he had a connection with, this team in Turkey, like the top league in Turkey, um, he was going to be working uh, some higher level players out, out in Southern California. He's like, well, you're from California. He's like, do you, do you want to come work with these guys, you know, over the summer? I was like, yeah, that would be great. You know, I can make some money and come back here. So I went down to LA to work these guys out. And like, right when this was starting, he had got a new job at Baylor. So I was able to pretty much take over the entire, you know, working these guys out over the summer um, and that ended up working into another assistant, like a full-time assistant coaching job with the Iowa Wolves who are, you know, with the Timberwolves. So I was back with the Timberwolves for a couple of years. And then, so I was with, I was with them. And then now these last couple of years overseas from starting in Canada and, um, you know, COVID ending that season and going to Vietnam, which is actually like, you know, their league goes over the summer. So essentially for me, it was like, when I work guys out over the summer, you know, I can either do that or, you know, have a little bit of time off, but I was like, Oh, I can actually be a head coach over the summer, like in a pro league. Um, I'll just do that instead. It's like an extra step. And my plan was to coach over the summer and then coach during like the normal basketball season at the time. And I had plans to go to Australia, but like COVID really messed everything up. They pushed seasons back. Um, but getting in Vietnam and, that was like, you know, good for me. We're actually about to start our season back up, but I got offered this other position in Taiwan and in a bigger league. So that's where I'm at now. So that's kind of been my path, like 
really jumping around. It's weird, like saying all these different spots, but that's kind of how it is with like, you know, one year contracts getting in, like, it's not as pretty as people think like, Hey, you know, you just get in, you just stay with the job. You kind of work your way up. Like that's it for some people, but it's really been jumping around like over and over, like to all these different spots, different countries, different States. Like that's kind of what it's been like that path to get there. Awesome. Uh, well, one more question. And then I have a, another subset of questions. So just strap in. Um, just what, where, where are you going from here? Like, what's the goal for you? Um, I know it might be a little ambiguous, but like, just what, what do you, what are you chasing after and, and kind of where are you looking to go? I'm still like, the goal is still like, I, I would love to get back, you know, to the league here, um, you know, get back in the States and coaching at that level. Um, you know, I'm not as like, it, it'd be great if it could happen, you know, right now, but I want to take advantage of, you know, this head coaching experience overseas. And I think actually, you know, talking with a lot of other coaches that I know a couple years ago when Nick Nurse and, you know, the Toronto Raptors were in the finals against the Warriors, like for a lot of coaches who are just trying to break in, who have been at the G League level, like Nurse, Nurse was, you know, he was in the G League or, and then he was overseas, like he was in the UK for a long time, which, you know, at the time wasn't like, it wasn't the highest level over in Europe, but he had, he had grinded as a coach. Like a lot of us felt we've been doing. And so a lot of coaches were like, you know, we don't really care if, if the Raptors or the Warriors win, like we want nurse to win a title. Cause we feel like put some legitimacy to, to the other coaches who are going through that same process. So once that happened, it made me feel more comfortable with my process of being overseas where it's like, you know what, I don't need to be back in the States, like as an assistant right now, because ultimately if I want to be a head coach, I need that head coaching experience. And if it needs to take me to Asia or to Europe or to South America, wherever it is, like, you know, I'll do that. So I'm trying to get this experience as much as I can. And when those opportunities present itself, like I keep taking care of business, like I'll, I'll be back there in time. That's awesome, man. All right. So now I just have just some random questions. So you're just going to have to go with me here. If that's cool. Sure. Um, first question how cool is it to like see people dunk uh, i mean it's it's just it's the same as anything else like i mean it's just it's kind of whatever. it's kind of whatever <laughs> okay well I, it sounds awesome just to stand there and just be like that guy just jammed you know that seems cool great if you got like in a game if you got the fans on your side it's fantastic if you got that momentum going mm -hmm. but you don't you know i don't think about it now can you dunk no, okay. I can't. Actually, I, it was my, I think it was my, was it in a, a, it was in like a practice when you're just like messing around. I did like, it was my senior year I did, but after a couple, like I actually pulled a hamstring like the year after and like, I've never been able to like run or jump like I used to anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was like, that was it. But that's that cool. Was, you did though. You know, you can, that you should just have that on your resume among the other things too. You know, I've dunked <laughs> once. So they're like, oh, okay, he gets it. Fifth grade Wizards was probably the last game you coached where someone couldn't dunk on the court. Would yeah. be my guess. <laughs> so you've been seeing a lot of dunking for a long time. We didn't throw a lot of lobs. No. Actually, I might be doing that. Like if I went back to coach, I elementary, I might throw put a couple lobs in there just just to see. Like yeah, you know, that for the kids to tell the stories. Like I was catching lobs like in fifth grade. Like yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't height shame on this podcast, but I was like 5'5", five, five, you know, and white, so I wasn't even close to even touching the net. So, um, but, you know, we had to work with what we had, right? And I think that's, that's, that's why you're here today, because you, that's, all, that's all you ever focused on, so that's great. 
could you, well, I guess this is more of a selfish question. Could you just like be, if, if you got the Kings job, right? So like, let's, you just keep grinding and grinding and then you're the head coach for the Kings. Could Mike and I be on your staff somehow, you know, like you don't even have to pay us that much, but like just could we be on the staff and you can make up a role for us? I'll rebound on shoot arounds. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you guys, if you guys want those jobs, we'll, we'll have you there rebound for the shoot arounds. No problem. It, but, <laughs> but, once, but once you ask for like a picture and autograph, you know, might have to fire you, but yeah, we, yeah. Just, just let us know what we can and can't do. I mean, we would get in the building for free. And so everything after that is just, we are playing with house money, you know? So yeah, we'll give, give you the parking pass. We'll get you yeah. guys in to the game. It would, it would essentially give you a, the floor seats just don't because if you're rebounding, I think you'd you'd get to be the guy who gets to uh, like when the guys go to the other end, you get to run on the floor. Easy and, like, the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't fantastic deal and you run on the fast break that you're like running out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen those fantastic. Yeah, they're getting chased down. Um, thank you. Um, yep. You're all, that but that's on the it's on the record now. So like, just so you know, we'll be calling. Just just write just write the uh, just write the papers up. We'll yeah. we'll get in signature down we'll, we'll have our legal team draft up the, the the contracts now so um excellent well that's big for us micah um yeah i know right <laughs> what, and then i i'm this might be my last question who knows um what about mount rushmore give us the mount rushmore so the top four of players that you've coached or like from just being on a staff so that not like, oh, because you're like, hey, you know, when I was at San Jose State, like Paul George is in there, but like actually on your team and every team that you've ever coached is eligible. Every player is eligible to be on this list from just saying like fifth grade all the way to where you are now, you know, just <laughs> your top four players that you've ever coached. Okay. So even if, would you consider like, I'll put it this way. So like, even as like video coordinator, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily like on the coach, like coaching the guys yeah. there on the team. Would that, would that be considered just like guys who were on the team at the time? Yeah. Just when you were tied to the organization, the players that were in the organization. Okay. So when I was with um, the Timberwolves, like I'd probably put Kevin Love right there. Mm -hmm. Um Ricky Rubio, he, he was a rookie at the time. He actually got injured, like he had grown something else. But Kevin Love, like that was actually the year that he was having those monster games mm -hmm. where it's like 30 points, 20 rebounds. Like um, he's, he essentially like he was playing so many minutes. Like when it came to like scrimmages and practice, like he was he was on the bike, mm -hmm. you know, just like <laughs> trying to save his legs. He was playing so much. Um, he was there at the time. I'm not going to put like – because I was a cent even though I was like with the Spurs organization, I was with Boston. So I'm not going to put the guys like Duncan and Kawhi and right. Ginobili like on that list. So we got Kevin Love is one. Kevin Love is one. When I was with, let's see, who was it at the time? Um, trying to think like with Iowa, we had a, we had a few guys actually. He so he. He plays is like it's like a third point for um I, actually i'd go back to austin Corey joseph was mm -hmm. with us for a while yeah. um actually we we had a we had a great team out out in austin so a lot of nba guys so we had we had Corey joseph we had um of guys that'd be familiar with like aaron baines mm -hmm. who 
plays in the NBA. He, he came with us for a year. Jamichael Green. Yeah. Um, those guys are right up in that list. Um, another – so I'd, I'd definitely put, like – I'd put Corey Joseph there at the time. Yep. Um, probably um, – actually, probably the most talented guy that I had worked out ever before. Michael Beasley was with us with the Timberwolves as well. You know, he, he had like his own, I, I don't know if he was there the year after I'd left, but like just from a talent perspective, he, he was a guy who could do everything. Like Number two overall pick, right? Yeah. 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 We had, I mean, we had Derek Williams as well <laughs> at the time. So that was, that was a really interesting team. So we had, we had Kevin Love, we had Beasley, we had Derek Williams, we had Rubio, we had Darko Milicic at the time. <laughs> So we uh, like we just had a cast of like a bunch of guys who were um it was just it was weird how the team was put together like i mean the the coaching staff had inherited that group and i i just remember the staff and the front office like kind of you know kind of going at each not going at each other necessarily but you know talking about like hey you know this is what we want so that was interesting but all so i'll definitely go so i'll go kevin love Corey joseph for sure Brandon Goodwin, who plays for the Atlanta Hawks, he's like third point guard. I think he has some, he didn't play as much in the playoffs this year. He's just a, he's a really really good player. Um, you know he he'd probably be that third guy um, as well. And then I'd probably have to go back to to the Timberwolves. I mean, it might be Rubio. Yeah, it might be Rubio at the time. Like he he was young. He got he got injured during that season, but you know, from like a work ethic perspective and just like being a guy that, you know, everyone liked, you know, good teammate who's super coachable. Those, those might be my four. So like kind of like three point guards essentially. And yeah, you know, that's great. Um, dude, Rubio's hype going in was, was so big too. I have a Jersey of R- Ricky Rubio, just so you know, I don't know why, but I have his, cause he was from Spain, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I have his, yep. I have his, Spain jersey. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what the team was, but it's green. So if you want it, I you know, I can send it to you. Yeah, he's he's still playing. He'll be he'll be playing here in the Olympics, like for Spain mm-hmm. this up season. But no, he's had a good career. Like you know, obviously he's never he's never been a, a shooter, score or anything. You know, which is kind of especially like the way the games play yeah. now. It's those those point guards are rare. Like you know, it's it's tough if you're not scoring. But he's still like he's still like savvy enough to be able to, to play and make it super difficult for, for other teams. Yeah. You get it done. I think that's all I have so, on my end. I think I exhausted all my questions there. Um, so as Andy mentioned, uh, when we first started this thing, huge Raiders fan, where are you at with the team? I mean, it's frustrating being a Raiders fan, um, especially sticking by them for so long. Um, do you get to follow – I mean, is it easy to follow them when you're overseas? How hard is it to watch games, stuff like that? Like, where are you at on the state of the state? So, um, I follow – I still follow the team like – like, I'm a diehard fan, like, you know, through and through. Like, I absolutely love the team. Watching games overseas is incredibly difficult because the games are usually between, like, midnight and 3 a.m. And so – Fantastic. Actually, it's – for being a Raiders fan, it's it's a blessing when some of the games are at 3 a.m. because I can watch the first quarter, you know, quarter and a half or whatever. And like sometimes I just get tired and fall asleep. I can't control it. But like when if they're getting blown out right away, it's a super easy decision. It's like, <laughs> oh, 
closing the TV. <laughs> we got practice tomorrow. Can't think of this. Like, um, but I think you're catching me at like probably an optimistic time because the off season, it's been, you know, it's been about what the off season in the NFL, like it's about like what, 16 months between seasons. Um, you know, for yeah. it was so long. Yeah. Um, so I'm at the point where it's like, like I always have interest in a little bit of, I guess, hope's a dangerous word as a Raiders fan. And so I, I have that there, but with the way kind of like Gruden and the front office and their picks and all the stuff, like I'm just, your my expectations are so like tempered right now. Like, you know, even if they've like, they've gotten off to like a fast start, like last season, I think they had like a super tough schedule the first like five, six game, they got off to a really hot start. And then, you know, they lose to the Falcons by like 90. The rugs against the Jets when the Jets didn't even win a game. Oh, man. Like, it, it, it ended up being in the same thing. So expectations are tempered, but I do have some hope by getting, hopefully, you know, Gus Bradley can do a few things by getting, you know, some of these new players in here. Um, you know, I think uh, Mary, who, you know, fell to them in the second round, was like, it's almost a blessing because yeah. our backfield has been last few years um so getting a few guys in hopefully someone who's actually been on the defensive side like can get these guys going because the Raiders defense has been god-awful for years and I, I feel like if he takes such a back seat like you know he's such an offensive guy like you know I mean he 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 gets rugs he's like oh, I got some plays for him it's like yo you just sent him deep like <laughs> the NFL blip yeah I think he ran like two routes over the middle like <laughs> season like it was crazy like he wasn't even utilized so if, if that defense can get underway like I don't think the offense is going to have a trouble scoring like they might I wish they played a little bit more up tempo because I felt they've been so slow like the last few years but with Jacobs with Drake with Waller is like you know arguably becoming one of the best tight ends in the game and you know I think the receivers like you might not have like a killer but I think you have a lot of guys who can do some things whether it's We'll see what Rugs and Edwards, if they can do anything. But, you know, Renfro is going to be steady and a couple of the vets they're bringing in, I think, you know, will be fine. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. But I, I follow them like like no other. So, yeah. I, You're speaking our language, by the way. That's yeah, exactly. everything you say. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, if you've ever entrenched yourself in Raiders Twitter, um, you know, that one of the most electric arguments out there is, you know, where you fall on the side of Derek Carr. Uh, yep. Where are you at with him? How are you, are you support him? Want to move on somewhere in the middle? I do. I do support him. And I think it's the, I think part of it is part of it's the coaching side of me, but then also part of it is knowing how many quarterbacks we went through before, beforehand. Um, it's, and I think like, obviously the Raiders haven't had success. like a fan would want, but I know how bad it is when you don't have a quarterback. And it's kind of, I feel it's kind of the arguments like you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like you can get rid of car, but that doesn't mean you're going to get a killer, you know, behind him. Like if it, it just ends up going to like Mariota or, you know, business session with, you know, Peterman or, you know, whoever, <laughs> whoever it is, like, you know, you don't know who you're going to get in. Like, obviously if, you know, if, if Gruden could have got, you know, Rogers or Brady, like he, he probably would have pulled the trigger, but like, 
those elite quarter, like elite elite quarterbacks are so few and far between like heaven cars, cars steady. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have his faults, but you're going to have his faults of the same other guys that you bring in. If he, you know, kind of like that middle of the pack. So to me having him right now, like it's fine. They do need to get some wins, but you know, he needs, he needs some help around him too. Um, so like right now I'm fine with him, but, and there's gotta be some results. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the biggest argument, you know, people kind of have with it is you can look at, there's so many stats out there and like the way people break things down that you could find anything to fit your narrative. Um, kind of relating that to like basketball and stuff. Is it easy to just like fall into the trap of like analytics and stats um, when you're trying to like figure things out on the coaching side of things, as opposed to just being like, this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like we're, this is what we're going to do. Get out there and, and just get after it. Yeah, you, you definitely see that sometimes, especially because, you know, the eye test is, is important, you know, see, seeing the guys, getting the feel for them. Um, if you know the guys, that's that's great because you can see, like, are they coachable? Like, how do they – are they, you know, a good teammate? Do they put the work in? Like, if, if they don't check, like, some of those boxes, it, it becomes easier to get rid of them. And I think Carr checks all those boxes. He's coachable. He works his ass off you know, his teammates essentially love him. Like there's not a lot of teammates that are just ripping on car. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for the staff, it, I think it's an easier decision than the media portrays it to be. Um, obviously they want the wins to come with it, but from that perspective, it's good. The stats like, yeah, that can be, that stats are, it's dangerous because it can be skewed in so many ways. Um, you know, because you have sometimes like I say, stats can like you said stats can make an argument sometimes like well you know, he hasn't done this or he hasn't done that so it can it can become tough um, when you see guys like oh his you know his shooting percentage is this we need we need this here we need this like um you definitely see that with some arguments but there's so many other things that come in come into factor with it i think you need to you need to find out like whoever your staff is you need to find out what stats are important to your organization and what other intangibles do you need with that? And if you can find a healthy mix of those guys that will fit into your culture, I think that's really important. And one thing I do like that the Raiders have um, that essentially, and I'm not talking about your outliers with, you know, Trent Brown, who, you know, came and, you know, got injured and, you know, didn't seem to like care, care too much about it. Got the bag um, and bounced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but essentially they've been bringing in a lot of guys who, you know, love football, mm -hmm. which, which is important. You know, maybe those guys haven't been super talented. Maybe their staff hasn't done a good job of player development, but um, that's, that's really important. So I think they're doing, you know, the right thing there. Um, but I mean, who knows, there needs to be a lot of other changes too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mayock's always kind of preached that, you know, we're going after high character guys, you know, they obviously want high talent too, but you know, yeah. they look at the high character and, um, it's once again, people find anything and everything to kind of knock the Raiders. So like his side of things, people have knocked the fact like, well, he's going after high character. He's not going after good players type of thing, but, um, yeah, yeah that definitely makes a difference. So, and actually, I mean, you hear that and like you said, anybody knocks the Raiders, but it felt like they were drafting, you know, out of Clemson and Alabama university, <laughs> like that final four, like yeah. Yeah. they're taking guys from there. And so, um, I mean, you know it's like it's i mean they they can be attacked from from any oh yeah angle. It's like, oh yeah well it's better than like you know we we would take who is that uh who's the tackle that uh jared Bel Beldier 
who was from God knows where, you know, it's like, we used to just get all the Appalachian state guys, you know, and we would get roasted for that. And then Mayock comes in and he's like, dude, I just want Clemson and Alabama. And they're like, yeah, well, that's stupid. Also, you're like, all right, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's winning, winning cures all. That's, that's really what it comes down to. So just. Yes. It was, it was actually kind of at the, I think at the time, like, you know, when I was around the Spurs and this was, this was before, you know, they had like a couple there, they had their earlier championships, but they, they weren't, they weren't really into like, like high pace, like, you know, swinging the ball around like they won a couple of years ago. And everyone's like, Oh, they're like a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're just killing. Um, you know, people are like, yeah, but they're boring to watch. And they're like, yeah, but to Spurs fans, you know, they're winning. So they don't really care what style it is. They're winning mm-hmm. every single year. They're dominating teams. And so to me, it's like, even though I want to see the Raiders do a few other things, like, yo, if they win, I like, I don't care how they yeah, do it. Exactly. <laughs> just do it it's been so long since they've been they've had like a really like winning team it's yeah well i got one last thing um before we let you go unless andy has anything after this but give us your um record prediction for the raiders and then do they make the playoffs do they not where where are you landing on that there's one more game by the way this year yeah that's that throws me off so yeah they can't be 500 yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is easy very easy to be like yeah. they're gonna be 500 <laughs> yeah yeah i don't, don't want to take that route i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna err on the side side of hope and uh i'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say 10 and 7 with the wild card yeah nice i mean it's july you can easily just be hopeful right now you know yeah That's- yeah yeah i feel like i mean it's it's tough like i mean they're gonna have that Monday night opening game in Vegas against the Ravens against Jackson. So it's like, well, that's tough, but that play is going to be popping. Like oh, yeah. I just came back from Vegas to see the stadium. I'm just like, Oh my God, like I want to watch a game right now. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes me want to be there. So I, I feel like the offense, they're not going to have a problem scoring against anybody. You know, like I'm not talking about a couple games of the low scoring games. Is their defense going to be able to stop anybody? That's, that's the big thing. Like, you know, can't be giving up. 40 points, you know, 400 yards, like all these games where, you know, teams keep running the same player, just dicing them up. Like they need to get that defense together and ho- hopefully Bradley will be able to do that. So I-, I think they can, they can get to a wild card spot. If, if that trajectory just keeps going up. Boom. Heard it here first <laughs> prediction. Um, well then if, and also just for you, this is a gift is, is that if you do fall asleep during the game, just turn on the pod in the morning and you'll have our reactions from the game. So you'll, you'll know exactly where. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll have to actually check that. I, I can imagine some of the, some of the responses there get, get pretty uh, intense. Well, you can gauge, you can gauge what happened real quick, probably yeah. the first five seconds of, of the podcast. We've had a couple of Sunday oh, night ones where we're so heated, you know, and it, it was, I think it might've been the, the Chiefs game, the Sunday night football game. I think we recorded right after the game. And it was not good. It was just like one day there's where they lost like at the end, like on that. Yeah, line. got it. They, they picked Sorensen, I think, picked him off, and yeah, they yep. were going down for one last drive. It, it was Kelsey. That I remember when Kelsey was just wide open in the end zone. Yeah, and yep. it, so that was fun to break down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm glad they got some of those DBs because I, you know, there was a lot of hype for you know Abram after you know he had that first game like his rookie year, and then he got injured you know, was out the whole season. So a lot of people are like, hey, you know, first round pick, mm-hmm. you know, come in, like lay the wood on some guys, 
you know, but he was just, he was all over the place. And then they draft, I feel like with Bradley coming in, like he got hired so quick, but they, they brought all these DBs and like me and my brother were talking about like, you know, like Bradley probably watched film of all their guys. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we cannot have any of these guys. <laughs> guys now. Like, you need to bring in yeah. some reinforcements right yes. now. You know, that's why they had like, you know, all these new guys come in and it's good hearing out of camp. Like, I mean, it's still camp. So you never know mm -hmm. until these guys hit, but like, you know, Hobbs and Mary and, you know, even just bringing Hayward and just get like, you know, you need a little bit of that presence in there too. So, yeah. And you know. familiarity with the scheme too, because he played under yeah. Bradley. So that's, yeah. Agreed. Abram. I don't know how I feel about that guy. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, Hey, if, if he can get together, it's, you know, from the, the coaching side of me, like, you know, essentially this is going to be a second year playing. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if it needs to be a few less snaps for him to get, if you need to take some of his playing time away, you know, for him to get it, you have to do it because you need, you need the guys to produce. But sometimes like, I mean, the bench is the ultimate, the ultimate equalizer to get guys to, you know, do what you need them to do mm -hmm. sometimes. He's not cutting it. Like, I mean, I think that's another problem the Raiders have had. They've had, they've been so like down on talent at some positions that they can't afford to bench some guys because they don't have anybody behind them. Like, it becomes super tough. Like, their line has been so thin. Like, you know, looking at their roster, it's like, you know, they can get some linebackers and, you know, Littleton. Like, I don't think he had like a stat last year besides a tackle. Yeah. Well, that's to hear Whitehead is, is we had, we had to play the guy because he had a thousand tackles, but he was the worst coverage linebacker in all of the NFL. And, but he was our guy. And so we're like, cool. This is going to, yeah. Mahomes will not pick him apart at all. You know? Yeah. I think he also had like, I think I was reading something about how he, all his tackles came like later than all the other linebackers. They came like four yards <laughs> downfield. Like, up the field. It's like, he always tackled guys like, further down the field than almost any other linebacker. Yeah, he just sit there, and then he would just – tackles, but yeah. – <laughs> Oh, man, that's good. I think that's all like, – well, actually, I did have a realization is I think I was Jonathan Abram on the fifth-grade Wizards team, and for that, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, that's, that's okay. We're, we're past that now. That's right. Time heals. What 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 are, what are uh, you you guys have predictions on the season? What are your guys' predictions? So we did um, we had uh, one episode where we just kind of went game by game, switching off and and what we um, what we predicted individually for each game. And I think we we finished at eleven and six. Was that where we we had it? And that was a little bit of optimism on on a few games, but. Um, right I think we started game. off too hot. Is we start we're like, oh, we, we start we off like win. eight and two. I think <laughs> yeah. we were eight and two. So and we're like, dude, this isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna happen. Like, come on. That's when you. That's why how you know like the optimism is real when yeah. you get into like the dog days of summer like this, mm -hmm. where you're like, yeah, man, we could start off, you know, as hot as the Steelers did last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, what you guys did is actually how the Raiders have been. I think the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Six and three. I think last year they were six and three, and like. Mm -hmm. They had that early schedule where it was like super tough, but they got yeah. it. it was just like, yo, like we might have something here. And then it's yeah. like crashing back down the line. It's like, oh, these are the Raiders I know. Yep. Yeah. Year before that was was six and four, I think, before mm -hmm. we got routed by the Jets. And it was just yeah. like so rough. I'm not if we get like halfway through the season or even three quarters away with the running winning record, like I'm not settling. I'm like No, you can't I've been here so many times. Like exactly. I, 
Yeah. And I think, I think it was last year, like one of my super close friends that I coach with, he's, he's from New York. So he's a Jets fan. And, you know, just like us sometimes, like he, he absolutely hates the Jets. <laughs> um, you know, like with the Raiders. I get that. I, I hate the Raiders sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we were playing that, you know, they, they were just, they were just beating us. They were, you know, I think it was, who, who was, uh, who was there? Like Darnold, it was Darnold you know, yeah. he was like throwing it around and stuff. And Running like, over Jeff Heath. <laughs> I was like, yo, we're going to lose to the Jets. And then we just, you know, throw that heave up. And I'm like, honestly, I think that was the first time that like the Raiders won a game like that. One is probably one of the first times they won a game like that. Mm-hmm. Second, like I just wasn't excited for that win. I was just like, this doesn't even feel right. Yeah. I, was like, I, I know what's going to be next. I was like, I think they played Atlanta and they just got blown out and Atlanta wasn't doing anything. Yeah. It's like, yep. I was like, I knew it. I was like, I just saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. And I've told Micah this, but uh, I, my, I've, because I am who I am, my wife has said, listen, you get an hour after the game to be, to be mad or whatever. And so when they won against the Jets, she was so fired up because she's like, he's going to be in a good mood and he's going to be, and I was still mad. And she's like, there's no winning with you. I'm like, no, because we shouldn't have won the game. And she's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, well, give me my hour and let me just be me. Well, let me be mad about this win. Cause we don't deserve it. <laughs> exactly. I'm, glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys felt that way too, because Absolutely. That's, I was like, I, I was, I was just like disgusted with it. I was like, you know, like inside you're like, you know, like, like I'm happy they won, but I'm not like, this is not a good feeling. You can't be happy with how they played, you know, all the way up until literally that last play, they were just. I think yeah. the only happiness is the fact that the next week wasn't going to be all the news and press about the Raiders lost to the Jets. You know, yeah. that, that yeah, was that the was... only thing I was like, okay, that's yeah. good. I can at least open Monday up my morning articles or positive. Yeah. I can open up my phone and, and look at certain things, you know, and not be that pissed, but. I think we're all speaking well, the same language here. That's good. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll put it this way. So, well, here's a two-part question. One, mm-hmm. what you guys think about the Leatherwood pick? Hmm. <laughs> I was very rough. The, very rough originally. So, I I know for me, me and Andy this year do, were dove really hard into uh, draft, draft um, analyst type stuff and just, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. More so for me, at least, than I, than I had years prior. And you get, you follow so many people and hear so many things that you kind of have these preconceived notions of where guys are supposed to be taken. You know what I mean? And in, in the long run, we don't know how teams view these certain players uh, for the most part. But, you know, hearing for many months beforehand that he was, you know, a second round pick, you know, probably early second round, but then we take him in, you know, the, the top half of, you know, in the top 20 or whatnot. It's like, motherfucker, that's, it happened last year with uh, Damon Arnett um, where he was, you know, he, he jumped to like a second round guy, but uh, by all accounts was like third round, early third, late second. And then we take him in the first. It's like, you're just, I'm just speechless. And at, and at the same time, it's like, oh, they did it again. Like, you know, it's just like, why yeah. should, why am I surprised? But I'm happy with it now after I've had time to breathe and, you know, just kind of assess things. Um, but in the moment was very rough. So, yeah. Well, I'll put it this way too, because if the Raiders would have won that game or if they would have lost that game to the jets and they would have taken Leatherwood a lot earlier. In the day. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, that, that's true. You can definitely look at it that way. I, this is, this is what I feel too from, and this is, 
you know, this, there's no science behind this, but just observing Gruden when he wasn't coaching and now 20 is like, he falls in love with guys. He falls in love with guys. You know, he loves them. He loves his grinders. You know, he loves his, his Gruden grinders. He loves his guys that, you know, come all over the place, you know, as far as like, you know, like, Hey, this guy loves football. He does this, um, you know, whatnot. And I feel like Leatherwood was like, you know, they said like, you know, Hey, he's the highest guy on our board. And I don't know if when he says that it's like, Hey, this is the highest guy on our board for, you know, a guy that I want. It might yeah. not be the highest rated player, but yeah. the guy that he wants, cause he falls in love. Like he loves offense. You know, he loves his guys and they essentially got rid of the whole offensive line. So, you know, if they, if they would have lost that game to the jets, I mean, who knows if they would have had like a pick between, you know, 11 and 16 or whatever, mm -hmm. they could have got other wood at 11. Like, I, I feel like he probably, that probably would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, that's, he's such a, he's such a Mayock guy and a Gruden guy being a four-year starter playing, you know, a couple different positions on the offensive line, just, you know, just blue blood guy there. And just, you know, as, as stable as you can get um, as a, as a player, it's like, that's, you know, looking at it from that realm, it's like, that's right up, right up their alley. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unique seeing him. I mean, what, what is he locked in for, for another like two decades with the team? Probably. Gruden. Yeah. 2060. Yeah. yeah and I don't know got if a 15 year extension. So my, uh, my AirPods died. So I don't know if I missed this or not, but I think I agree with what you guys are saying, but also it's like, you're at 17. This is what they just don't do. This is my problem is I'm not mad at the pick necessarily. It's the fact that they don't do anything outside of their own building to where they're like, everyone else looks at him as this, you can trade back and, and like work it that way. So if, if, you know, like, why can't you be smarter, smart enough to say, I we're good with this guy. And this is where we would feel comfortable. If, if we went back four spots or five spots or whatever, they never do that. They're just like, well, he was our guy. So he's our guy. Yeah. Value that's, you know, value is, is really important. Yeah. And sometimes like you, and this is just from my experience working in the draft, you have one, and, and I know they're making calls to what extent, I don't know, only, only they know this, but you know, you have to do all that work beforehand as far as, you know, making the calls, you know, just reaching out to people if they have any interest in moving up, if they have mm -hmm. any interest in players, because it doesn't need to just be, you know, picks you're getting rid of. You can, you can trade, trade players essentially as well. Um, and there's always guys, you know, who are kind of like the end of roster, or, you know, middle of the roster that they can get rid of. Mm -hmm. but yeah. They all, they always say like, Oh, well we tried, but no one, you know, wanted to move back. It's like, I mean, there, there are moves for you to make. Sometimes they can't, but I think another thing too is, is that, you know, sometimes people forget it's, it's not Leatherwood's fault. He was taken there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, you know, in the NBA, it's not, you know, anybody else's fault. They're picked in the top five and, the tough thing about like the player is that or tough thing for the player is that that's just one team's evaluation of them. Mm -hmm. Just because you're picked there, that doesn't mean like that's your actual value, mm -hmm. but people, are, they just label you like that. If you're a top five pick, it's like, you're a top five pick, you're a bust. It's like, well, you're a top five pick to that organization that picked you. I was like, you might've been, you know, a pick around 20 or you might not have even been on the draft board of someone else because of other issues you might've had. Like, I don't think Leatherwood has any like character issues like that. He would have been drafted anyways, but you know, now he's pegged in that role and yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of tough. Like 
you know, value is important, but mm-hmm. they, they fall in love with their guys. And I mean, you, you, you essentially hear the same story over and over. Like he was our guy. He was a top rate on our board. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. And it's just, it's adapt or die. Right. And they just don't adapt. They're, they're on it's Gruden. It's sorry. It's Gruden is unwilling to make those changes because he believes so much in his philosophy, which has been successful, but isn't currently successful. So it's, that's, that's the frustrating part. And that all, that all ties into game plan and scheme and things, things like that, that I could probably spend way too much time just going down. And you know what, it's a beautiful morning and I don't feel like starting my day off with negativity. So you know. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with one more then like speak, speaking of game planning, how many, how many fullbacks are going to be on the roster this year? Three the Raiders. <laughs> Seven tight ends. And speaking of adapting, that's the thing he loved is we're going to play old school football. We're going to grind it out. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm just waiting for the wishbone offense. They got Drake and Jake <laughs> back there. Old, like to, to be the lead blocker, yeah. like it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. I think it was our last pod. Yeah. Our last podcast is when I, I went on a, on a, rampage of of exactly what you're saying the personnel and how they trot people out and it's it's so predictable but he gruden is fooled to think that he's not and he's like i'll tell you what man this is gonna get him and you're like no everyone knows what you're doing and you just think you're a genius yeah and you have the raiders fans sitting there just like they're they're calling out the plays yeah (laughs) it's third down you see that you see how they're set up and i'm like all right i'm going to the bathroom because i know that they're going to punt in the next 30 seconds so it's going to be like there's going to be a little pressure from the right side it's going to be a to to a tight end in the flat mm-hmm. and it'll be seven yards short of the first down that yeah gonna find. So well it's yeah well there's two fullbacks out there there's two tight ends oh well the raiders are in five wide and, and we're just like Mm-mm. Derek Carr's in the shotgun he's looking around and then it's like come back come back and then they get in this goal line and you're like oh whoa who would have thought you know imagine that <laughs> God, you know kind of goes back to and I don't know how many other coaches did this, but I know uh, Bill Walsh back in the day got, you know, pop popular for putting like, he would put like his first 20 plays on the card or mm-hmm. whatever. And you have other coaches who go through their list, you know, like they're, these are the plays we run at the beginning of the game. And, but the rate, but Gruden does the same thing, but with the same guys, he gets Witten involved in the flat. He gets angled some touches mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, like, I understand how these guys, like, you know, it's, it's nice that, like, if you can get them, like, maybe over the course of the game to mix it up here and there, but it's not Ingold and Witten or these other guys in the flat that open up the game for everybody else. Like, you know, you, you can give up those plays, but it's not opening up anything over the middle. It's not opening up anything deep. It's not changing the defense, Yeah. but you see it, you see it every game, like every game, those are the guys who he's getting his touches, like, you know, they're throwing these, these path, these three yard passes and stuff. It's just like, yeah, you know, maybe on like a, a third and two, like later in the game, like you haven't used that. You can get, you know, now who would it be like? It might be Moreau, you know, in some in some of those. Like, I'm actually excited to see him. Yeah, healthy playing and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, predictability is is a whole nother world. Yeah, I don't. I'm getting a little fired up here just thinking. I know. That. Well, it's I'm like, dude. Like it's, and even it's no shame, no blame. If you haven't listened to one minute of our podcast, you just described the last 18 years. Yeah, that was, the, the last yeah. year of our podcast is what everything that you're saying. So I think it's just oh, the, yeah. the paradise alignment that we have, but uh, <laughs> it's Gruden. Gruden's actually his first, his first 15 are usually they're good. And then we just stall 
like that's that's the adaption that he doesn't have is is he game plans very well and they execute and then once they he gets figured out then it's all right well yeah that's that's one of the big big things like you you have to be able to you know adapt and and change you have you have to be able to see what's going on like you know whether it's in game and in you know halftime adjustments that's a major thing that's and that's why Belichick's one of the best like you know not not to bring him up on like a Raiders podcast but essentially that's part of the reason why he's he's so good because he's willing to just scrap what's what's not working and go to the next it'd be refreshing to see that you know from like you know hey this this isn't working like let's let's mix a few other things up let's do some stuff that we don't normally do yeah Um, well the and the problem is is that Gruden does that but with players he'll uh you know rugs will drop a ball and then he won't throw it to him for another uh you know quarter and a half or you know he works away from edwards because it was you know he didn't get a second foot down or something stupid so he does do that just with players which is (laughs) in the wrong way (laughs) yeah Uh, how you what are your guys feelings on rugs and edwards for this season I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I, both of them kind of had their rookie seasons kind of hamper a little bit with injuries. Um, Ruggs, Ruggs was getting it going before he he got hurt in that uh, Patriots game. So um, he seemed like he was uh, working well. And Edwards was, I feel like, just didn't really quite get his stride. So I'm excited to see how they, you know, have grown to this year. But I think that would be pretty, pretty, pretty solid 2-3 punch behind uh, Waller. Yeah, it'll be... I think because last year there were no preseason games either. Mm. So that that was another thing. I think this year, like being able to get those guys, like, you know, some minutes actually get, get get some real reps because practice, you can only get so many reps, like your level of engagement against the same players, you know, every single day. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys play too, like when you're going against like, you know, your teammates, it's one thing, like you're going to compete and everything, but like actually getting into a game, it just heightens the level. It, yeah, it's, it's different. And, and I think what you saw from that rookie class last year across the NFL, it was the ready now players. They, they did succeed because they didn't really necessarily need the OTAs and, and, and training camps and, and preseason. So I think rugs and Edwards were more like it's it's we believe in their future and 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 their talent um and i think they could be impactful but it's like they i think they needed that so it's like like justin jefferson for instance for from lsu it's like he was ready at lsu so and then he just hopped on the field and he was good so yeah those are those are the outliers you know that mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of guys it's the same with the same with the league like it's not normal for guys to come into a league and just kill it mm-hmm. like really really at any level but when you get the guys like a Jefferson or, you know, like a Luka Doncic in the NBA or something like guys that come in, you're like, oh, you know, we should have drafted them. We should have done this, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, you know, guys don't guys don't come in and usually do that. Like most guys take some time. Um, I think that's what's going back to like the G League and stuff. That's a good thing about the G League because realistically, a lot of guys, you know, aren't ready to play in the league. So if they can get like 20 to 30 games mm-hmm. in – you know, the G league and then, you know, come up the next year, like, Hey, they have real game experience at the pro level. They've, you know, done this now they're more confident. So I don't know if that's going to be in the works, like in the NFL down the line, like that'd be great. I think the XFL said they're coming back in 2023. So <laughs> yeah, we'll get a shot. Um, yeah, man, we could, we could go down the rabbit hole of this because it's, it's such yeah. a, it, because it's, it's, it's so fascinating, just the whole the whole process. Like you know, right? You got you got your draft tomorrow, 
right? It's like, and just so you know, Mike and I will be in the war room um, with you. So emotionally and maybe physically if you need us. Um, but it's just, it's so fascinating. And there's, that's, but because you're your recurring guest that you, then you have to come on the pod again whenever we ask. And so we'll just go down that, then we'll just go down like everything else mode because there's a lot of, we've uncovered some things here, so. Oh, I definitely, definitely during the season, um, that, that'd be, you know, get, getting worked up, you know, after some of those games, like it's, it's, I think the worst is when there's a game where I can actually stay up for, whether it's like, you know, maybe, maybe the games at, you know, seven in the morning or something, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe the Monday night game might be like that, like an early morning game where I'm like, Oh, I can actually sleep and wake up for this. Mm -hmm. You know, those, those ones are tough when you actually like, wait, like you're pumped. You, <laughs> go through the week mm -hmm. and the game comes and they just get waxed you're just like yo i'm not wasting my time with these guys yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like coach why are you so pissed you're like i don't want to talk about it guys <laughs> yeah, <we'll lie>. <laughs> <laughs> again oh shit cool well we really appreciate your time we uh we we went we went on for a good for a good minute and it was awesome getting to talk to you before we let you go just let the people know where they can find you if you're on twitter any social media instagram anything like that yeah um coach marchand is my handle on i think pretty much everything social media um yeah coach underscore marchand on ig twitter um you know facebook's just whatever i you know actually i've i've just started probably using it more to kind of promote some more basketball stuff so once i actually get over there and start hopefully here soon there's going to see a lot more basketball content um, once we get going which will be good but yeah deep inside that that raider side of me i try i try to keep my uh you know raider stuff in with the the people i know so it's not as much on social media because i would i'd blow that shit up like <laughs> <laughs> career career altering moves with <laughs> yeah you'd see a different side of me like i don't know i might I need to get a couple burner accounts just so I can. <laughs> there you go. That's the way to do it. We'll just Michael will just give you the logins for the the Raider take one, and you can just do your thing, dude. Oh yeah, like it's like you won't miss a beat. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, it, that, exactly. that plays. For, that's exactly yeah. our content. So, um, and, and we yeah. just Mike actually was able to figure out like to get some merch um, going. So we'll get you some merch overseas just so you can just so you can that'd rock be, it, man. That'd be fantastic. And I'll send the so. Rubio jersey over there too. <laughs> I'll try to have to send because actually the team I'm coaching for is the the new Taipei Kings. So it is actually, this was funny. I saw like, cause in Taiwan, like major basketball culture, like they absolutely love it over there. And I think when like the team name came out that it was the Kings, like it was just funny, like being from Northern California, but people were saying like, Oh, what are your predictions for the season? And I think one of the fans over there was saying like, Oh, I just hope, you know, let's hope they uh, make, they're not like the, the actual like Sacramento Kings. Mm -hmm. They don't make, for 20 years and i'm like a jab at the sacramento yeah, yeah. You, you know who you're talking to right now <laughs> yeah. all the way overseas they just get shade so yeah no like that's i mean that's what happens when you don't make the playoffs or yeah. you know you're down for so long it's factual but still inconsiderate <laughs> still hurts <laughs> still truth hurts sometimes most of the time hey some sometimes they deserve it like i mean 15 if you're going like 15 20 years and you make the playoffs one time like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. Numbers you, don't lie. Yeah, you do have, you know, there, there's enough time in there to, to rewrite the ship and mm. <laughs> get things going the right direction. But, you know, some teams just struggle with that from for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you, know, you can go to each team, there's different reasons, whether it's 
it's front office, it's coaching staff, it's players, you know, everyone wants to put blame on one side, but you know, there's, there's a different reason for everything, but yeah, yeah the team's wrong over and over. Like there's, there's something wrong that's going there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you try to build your organization around Giorgio Papagiannis, you know, <laughs> who was sitting at the NBA draft and didn't realize he got picked 11 overall or whatever. So yeah, he's back over in Greece now. So that's, you know, he's, that's, he never should have been there in the first place, Ryan. <laughs> D-box out of there now. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. It helps a lot. So oh, shit. we really appreciate everything having you on. We'll definitely have you on again in season. Um, if anything, just to vent and, and, and get things off your chest. So depending oh, on how it goes. So yeah, that'll that'll be perfect because that's definitely gonna happen at yeah. courses during the season. So y'all find that. I'll get some I'll get some uh you know merchandise and I'll I'll rep that I'll rep that over there for sure. Love definitely, it. yeah. Yeah, we'll get your uh get your address, send it on, on IG and uh, I'll get you some merch over there. So perfect. Cool. Appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. I'm definitely gonna be uh be following here here awesome. on it. I'm excited to hear you guys once once the season goes. So appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for the real the real stuff. So yeah, strap in. It's a wild ride, yeah. but appreciate it, man. It's good good connecting with you. Hope all's yeah, well. Yeah, good seeing you again. Have a good one. All right, we'll be talking. Bro. Yeah, see ya later.